0: back to Gin and Topic. Welcome back to Gin Gin and Topic. Topic. If you've forgotten, I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And we drink gin. And we don't know anything. (laughs) But it's okay, because we've got a load more experts. We've got some really cool topics, and we're going to find out about them. Yeah, while drinking gin. Perfect. (laughs) This week... We are talking to Dr. Lucinda Spokes, Mm
1: -hmm. or Lucy,
0: as I know her, because I do know her.
1: (gasps) Sarah's just bringing her friends on. I am just bringing my friends on. Bit cheeky
0: of you. But there's a kind of reason why I'm bringing my friends on. Go on then. Okay, so Lucy is the head of public engagement at Cambridge University. A lot of people would say that our podcast are public engagement. Who would say that our podcast is public engagement? Because I sure as hell wouldn't. No, absolutely. You wouldn't. They would. Sure. And there's this whole other world out there that are people that do public engagement or they encourage public engagement. But because I've been involved in helping um all sorts of researchers to engage with the public. I still actually don't know what most of the people in public engagement do. I just rock up and I do the communication side of things. Sure. But I don't really know why universities are so... why they have a head of public engagement and why they are trying to engage with the public. So the reason why I thought it would be interesting to talk to Lucy... Um, is to work out, you know, what is a public, head of public engagement? What is it that she's trying to get people to do? Mm. And why should we, public, care about it? It's a good question. So, well, our question is, what is public engagement? And why should we talk together
1: more? Don't look at me, I don't know.
0: I kind of know some things. I don't know a lot. I don't know anything. As ever. But I know that people like Lucy run massive events like the Science Festival or the Cambridge Festival, and there are loads of those around. But I don't know why they do them, apart from it's good fun. So there you go. That is today, and Lucy can tell us all about the gin she has chosen and why, and then we'll have to cut all the bits that you slag off Norfolk because it's a Norfolk gin
1: and Lucy's from Norfolk. I don't have the energy to slag off Norfolk today. It's all right. That's all right then. Yeah.
0: So it's Bullard's coastal gin from Norwich. Lovely blue bottle. No, I'm from Norwich. So I want the local one. Um,
2: Uh, And uh, I also spent my formative career as an atmospheric chemist working in the coastal environment. So this is, I thought thought it was a
0: nice combination of the two. And as you said, it was inspired by the Norfolk coastline. It's delicate and salty.
1: Not how I describe elements of the Norfolk coastline. Bit more rugged and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) rocky. (laughs) Delicate, salty with bright citrus
0: flavours. Locally foraged coastal bot- botanicals bring a sense of seaside to each glass. And they suggest pairing it with
1: blackberries and lime peel. So we've mm. just done lime. Mm. What do we think? I mean, it doesn't taste like Norfolk to me, but that's because I don't know how you'd get two pea machines and bags of chips into a glass of gin, <laughs> because that's what stands out about my childhood. Um, but it's nice. It is It is very
0: light. Yeah, it's very it? light.
1: I think this could be an easy drink. That's the trouble. Mm. Mm. It's quaffable.
0: It is because it's not too dry. It's not like a, it's not as dry as a London dry. It's not sweet. No. no. But it is, yeah, it's really light, really quaffable. Mm. I could easily drink this to um, hydrate by the sea. <laughs> and that would be a bit
1: sure, of a disaster. <laughs> I'd quite like to be by the sea, though. I'd quite like to be experiencing like. a sea breeze right now. Yes. Victorians used to send people away to the seaside when they needed to recuperate. Yeah. So maybe we just all need a bit of recuperation yeah. with those bracing winds, yeah.
2: with the sea smashing in. I love the seaside we're in the winter. I just that's yes. my favourite time to go. Um, and you know, we always when we were little, you know, We never went in season. You know, because you live close enough. You always we always went in the in the winter, and we always you know chips wandering down the, the on the front um, yeah. ice creams even if you could uh, uh, but with just that crashing sea and it's the power that power of the sea uh, yeah. and how little control that we have over it that I think that's what makes a season so yeah. brilliant
0: this would go really well with some chips <laughs> I could, I
1: could go for some chips, wouldn't it? But chips I want like, paper. I want proper chippy, like fat, fluffy on the inside. I want, I want number covered one, covered in salt.
0: I want chips from number one. Yeah, that's where I want to be right now. Anyway, um, from drinking gin on the beach with chips, we're not talking atmospheric chemistry. We are talking public engagement and two things I know fuck all about <laughs> <laughs> both, both atmospheric chemistry and public engagement
1: no fuck all
0: which is why we're doing the podcast because yes. we don't know anything about anything and I have admitted to the fact that we have worked together for many many years <laughs> but I rock up and I do my stuff and you do yours and I do listen some of the time oh, oh. I am also planning what we're going to do next and, you know, what I have to do. And with that, um, I only ever get involved in preparing people for the science festival or getting ready for um, communicating online and stuff like that. And it's real specific of just doing communication skills with those researchers. The whys and wherefores around. Public engagement. Why and
1: wherefores? I, Where I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. Why
0: and wherefores? Why we do public engagement and why anyone should care about it, I don't know. And I don't know why universities have people like you and public engagement teams and
1: all the different departments and colleges and everything. Meanwhile, I know so people. little, I couldn't even formulate questions about it because I know that little.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> over to you lucy <laughs> what is public engagement why should we care oh nice big one
2: oh so i mean there's, a, there's lots and lots of dif- different definitions of it here. so I, I love it because the, def- the official definition uses the word myriad so that's the myriad of ways in which we can share <laughs> <laughs> the benefits of higher education with with
0: with uh, people and that's a that's a word i use on a regular basis Ooh, always mm. always mm. i love that um so for us, there's lots, you know, we can say do, we can
2: do all the, the, the really things. It's about trust. It's about responsiveness. It's about um, sharing um, knowledge and the skills and inspiration and, and innovation. And it's about accountability. All these things. For me, primarily, I think it's because it's a really good thing to do. If you don't tell people what you do, you might as well not do them. And so for lots of academics, the telling is around writing papers, talking to your peers and so you tend to end up talking um, just within your small circles but if you don't start talking to the people who actually can make a difference or those people whose views can really inform again what's the real why, why are we really doing it and so for me it's about having conversations with key people who are, in, are impacted by the research we do can influence the research we do um you know all those things i think that's why we do what we do so, you know, at its absolute basic, it's around letting the members of the public who ultimately actually pay for most of the research that's done in universities, what their money is being spent on.
0: Well, that's that's something you hear all the time, don't you? Is just what are we paying our money for? Because research will come out and in yeah. the papers, it's just like, we are paying for this. This is a load of rubbish. Why are we paying for all of that? Well, I hope. I hope in the last uh, year and a bit, we've
2: actually proved that actually universities can be really relevant, <laughs> uh, you know, and the, the knowledge and the expertise that's held within these institutions across the world is something that's valuable and something that that we as the members of the public, um, you know, uh, should be supporting and being grateful that we're paying our taxes towards. I mean, you know, I think. But but one of the big things is, you know, one of the, the really important things is around this how we talk about it. And that's where communication comes in so importantly. And I think one of the, the big studies that the government did I think the last one was 2019, but every few years they do this public um, a, a, a understanding of science or sort of surveys, attitudes towards science surveys. And I, I use science sort of in a, in a way interchangeably with research, because I think it's actually really important, actually even more so now, that we're talking about all of the research we do, not just the mm-hmm. science bits. It was actually that you know most members of the public think we don't talk enough about what we do as researchers and actually when we do i loved it 38 percent thought we were actually quite rubbish at what when we did (laughs) (laughs) and so actually what we really want is you know we want researchers to have the confidence to be able to have these conversations in public spaces we want Mm. them to learn how to listen because part Mm. of public engagement is about listening um, so that you can hear other people's opinions rather than just broadcasting out and telling people what you think they should know. Um, mm-hmm. It's about listening back. Um, but actually, if we're not good at communicating um, uh, our, our research, then people won't listen, won't be able to have those those mutually beneficial conversations that, that real public engagement in- means. And that's why we we put in our training such a big emphasis on communication. Um, so... You know, that's one of for me. It's a prime drive. I think it's about we need, we should be talking about what we do, because otherwise, what's the point in doing it? Um, how can it then change? So, in terms of my research, a lot of that was around changing how we we regulate farming practice, changing how we uh, burn fossil fuels in power stations to generate electricity, because that impacts on the you know the forests in Sweden and the coastal seas. And it changed the law. It changed the regulations, the European Union regulations. And so it really had a, there was a, you know, we did something that was quite niche from the sound of it, but actually that changed how farming practice, that changed uh, how we, what we burn in power stations. And I think when it's, it, you know, that to me is the important thing, is that we do something, we talk about it, we hear what people's views are, we make changes
0: as a result. So with that, though, it then also depends on who you're talking to. So when people say public, they tend to
2: mean people like us. So often when people say public engagement, they mean engaging with young people, families. But actually, it's about engaging with who it is that can influence or who that is that should be hearing or uh, who can give really valid um, information and input into your work. So for a lot of our researchers, actually, it's not... A family group that's the important people that they're talking to. It is around, it's about policy makers, so people in government, civil service. Um, for people who work in medical sciences, it's often they, they ought to be talking to clinicians, they ought to be talking to patients and patient groups and people who care for people with, with diseases. You know, we work with charities, we work with um, people in the NHS, um, work with commissioning groups about how we bring these people together so they have those important conversations again to say it's not if just talking to anyone um it's important but actually being able to target who those audiences is uh, who, that you want to talk to and bring those people together is one big part of um public engagement as well
0: and so i mean you said about how in this year with the with the pandemic and everything that um, being able to show that research is useful. Um, And obviously, you know, we have heard a lot more from loads of scientists. Too much, I think, from loads of scientists.
1: I've been turning off the news more than I've been turning it on, that's for sure. But loads of things about how vaccines work and how you're not going to get a microchip put in you by the government.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But that's, but that's such a really big point, though. It's about actually uh, where, where where we have these conversations, too, because um, one of the brilliant things that's come out was the, the vaccine TikTok series that came out of, mm. of researchers um, thinking actually really want to be engaging with younger audiences. Um, and there is sometimes it's the, the joyful embarrassment of people who are a little bit too old for um, some of these channels of social media engaging on some of these channels. That's what you laugh at, isn't it?
1: <laughs> there's some really great ones, like that Labour politician I told you about. He's adorable. Yeah. I love him. But then there's some other ones who you sort of like, really. Like there's like groups of mums who like do videos where they lip sync along to songs and it's like, it's just, it's cute and everything, but it's a bit like, oh, Wendy, if you're going to do it, at least say the right words, you know, like, come on. Sorry, I spent a lot of time on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Falling down the TikTok rabbit hole. (laughs) But so is that why it's important then to have that, have it as a dialogue, not just that one way? Mm. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, there's, there is a real case for uh, a lot of one way, which are some, some subjects which are really um, cutting edge, really blue sky, where we don't know um, where, where, you know, we always laugh, you know, four astronomers in the world, three of them sit in a lab in Cambridge, one sits in Australia. Um, nobody else knows what they do. You know, actually um, talking, consulting the public about their research and finding out what they think about it, it's probably not going to be very effective. Um, But actually those people going out and talking about, um, you know, uh, going out and talking and saying this is why we do what we do, um, possibly it might lead to this, it might not, but actually this is what excites us about research can be really inspiring to people. So there's that form that's really, really inspiring. Um, and we think that you know those people have you know really interesting stories to tell and it helps a young person who's also really interested in something really obscure uh, think oh that's that's a place for me so there's that mm. inspiring might encourage somebody else to go to university because there's there, there is these niche things that happen and eventually uh, you know that might lead to a much bigger understanding of how our whole world works um, so there's there is that you know are those types of people so there's that that thing will never really be consult really need to consult the public but they should be telling the public why they're doing what they do mm. but at the other end there is really important um bits of work where we should be consulting and i think one of the things we've had um, from a researcher one of the feedbacks we had was um they said i never understood the emotional impact the disease i study has on people mm. and people who suffer from the disease but i've never spoken to anybody with the disease." Now, to me, that's like, oh, my goodness, why have you never spoken to somebody about the disease that you, that you study? Um, uh, and it was suddenly like they, they, it changed fundamentally how they thought of the disease they, they study. It may not change how they do the research, but it almost all, all almost definitely changed how they communicate about it. Mm. So that they probably were more sensitive when they spoke to somebody about it. Um, they were they were more informed about you know the, the side effects or the, the the things that people have to live with, and understand why you know a greater understanding of the importance of what they do. So I think you go from a really inspiring to really consulting, and it's about for our researchers for them to really think about why they're doing what they do, um, mm. so that they can pick the right right format of how they engage the right um, audiences that they are engaging with and the right. You know the right ways to present this work so there's you know there's. I think it's fine for us it's about finding the right audience finding out really what the what the researchers want to get out of this process so that they are really well informed for me public engagement is not just going into schools and talking to five-year-olds it's mm. much much more important than that and I think we want to get that message out to people that you know when we, we it is a really a useful thing for people's research and it's a really valuable thing for people uh, members of the public to come and talk to researchers um about their views
1: I'm just Go imagining with. a classroom of five-year-olds and thinking about how fucking terrifying that can be
2: oh it's the most <laughs> the most brilliant conversations
1: because they just say exactly what they think they'll tell you if they think you're boring <laughs> oh absolutely and then it's
2: like the hardest but the hardest hardest questions because you know that mm. the, one of the things we want to do when we're talking to public is make people feel comfortable about asking questions that they might think that they should know the answers to mm. and and actually make feel for people feel comfortable and say there's no such thing as a silly
0: question but you know the kids they don't care yeah. and it's the most the most brilliant and often really insightful things okay so you were an atmospheric chemist and now you're head of public engagement How? What? Why? <laughs> Well, as it goes back to my thing, we
2: we, right from the beginning, um, I think we should be talking about what we do. And so even when I was a researcher, um, I, I, when I was a researcher, there was no obligation to talk to the members of the public. In fact, it was positively frowned upon. You know, it was like, um, you know, it'll waste time. You, you know, it'll take time out of your research. There's absolutely no point doing it.
0: Well, I don't. I don't remember ever having anyone coming into school from... Universities when no. I was younger no, no, no. I don't remi- remember any no. like science festivals we or had things people like come that to tell
1: us not to do drugs and stuff like that <laughs> do them yeah,
0: yeah yeah I think we had the police in doing we had the police and oh, we, we had, had the, the non-smoking, videos. non-smoking
1: videos the girl who didn't wear bright colors. We had that video too. That was all about walking home at night. You had to wear bright colours so that you wouldn't get hit by a car. And it was oh. this really scary video because well, she was a... like a little corpse girl yeah. who'd been wearing dark clothes and she got hit by a car and died. I They seem really anyway.
0: similar to the sort of government public health yeah. warning yeah, yeah, type yeah, yeah. videos, which is kind yeah. of, I think, what we used to have in school. Yeah. Is that public engagement?
2: Well, our public engagement is very linked to the research that we do. So it's very, it, it, it is, there's, there's lots of things around um, communicating uh, sort of public health, public awareness messaging. And I think you know, at one end, perhaps public engagement or science communication sits at that one end of like just yeah. informing. Um, but for us, it's very much about linked to the research we do. We want researchers who are the experts, absolutely experts, to be sharing their expertise. And so, you know, if there was, yeah, so there was no obligation for this to happen when I was a researcher, but I think, really think that actually we should always should have been. So I used to write for, um, you know, write for non-specialist journals, leading to one of my favourite ever uh, pieces, uh, talking about Sahara and dust because the cars were very dirty. I I was able to talk about our research and that led to a European Union uh, education grant, a proper research grant, but from the education funding, where we put uh, the first uh, peer-reviewed climate encyclopedia for the general public and, mem- and school kids onto the web. Now, uh, at a time when there was great scepticism about climate change, I love that, because it's like, oh, my God, there's still scepticism about climate change <laughs> yeah. now. And that yeah. was probably 20-something years ago.
0: I'm not going to get depressed about that. <laughs> no,
2: yeah. I'm not going to get and depressed. Just a, like, it's just <laughs> appalling. And so, so it's like, a really brilliant way to start like, those having those... Um, putting out information that wasn't um, from people with an opinion but people with knowledge and i you know actually what i want is people with knowledge to be Mm -hmm. talking about subjects not people with opinions um you know we've all got opinions but some you know actually it's about (laughs) evidence-based opinions and knowledge and so getting people out who who actually know what they're talking about to have those conversations in a public space and so so i did that for uh three years uh, and we're very proud bit, you know, it's it, you know, it a European Union project with people from across Europe, each putting bits out of the ocean bit, you know, when we had teachers reviewing it, and they were school- teaching materials produced for schools. Um, uh, after that, I, I, I moved into working in, as I moved out of universities, but working for uh, the STEM Ambassador Programme, which took scientists into schools. And so this is in sort of, um, it must be early 2000s. Uh, and that, that scheme still goes, and it's a really fabulous scheme that takes um, both academics, uh, researchers, but also um, people from industry, um, so into schools to do activities, to talk about careers. So uh, helping young people see that there is so much more out there for them to do and be, uh, you know, much more than careers normally the real examples.
0: Well, and and this was something we i i we were talking about earlier, um, was that you know I've been working with the university for ages, but until then. I knew nothing about university as a career. Mm, mm. Um, And, you know, so that's what I find really fascinating, the fact that you were a researcher and now you do public engagement and the fact that people just go and get funding for stuff. I mean, I just find that fascinating. It's just like, oh, yeah, we'll go and do that project and we'll get some money for it. It's like, how how does that all work? Mm. It just blows my mind you apply and a very small percentage of people get the money for it yeah Yeah, okay okay that's true it's
1: yeah yeah Yeah. it's not like going to the bank of mum and dad you know it's it's sorry when did the bank of mum and dad last open their wallet (laughs) it's such high competition oh you now have to yeah and because i'm the oldest it's like oh well you know you're meant to have your own money now you're working i mean honestly have you not seen there's now an online form you have to (laughs) fill that
0: in You have to submit all of your evidence and then it goes to
1: So my car might go up in a fiery inferno driving back to Bristol. Could I have some money, please? Bank mum and dad. As I said, online form. I have to fill it in. This is why you're not my real (laughs) mum.
0: That's why I have the term evil. (laughs) Okay, so back to... So you then went and did this project thing. I moved into working for a a network for women in STEM. So again, supporting
2: women who wanted to... You know stay within STEM um, uh, and be part of that community. Um, and, then, and then moved on from that into working with schools. So working for a, a charity for, uh, who who took scientists into schools to run activities to inspire, inform that type of working with young people um, from ages um eight to eighteen. Um, and I just absolutely loved that. I loved going in. Um, I come from a family of, of teachers, never wanted to be a teacher myself, but it sort of gave me that, my mother, my mother was so delighted that I was working at schools. Eventually, even now, at my age, even now, eventually I'll become a proper teacher, you know, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, about sharing really current research, uh, both from industry and also from academia, with young people. Um, and as part of that, we ran an um, event for Cambridge Science Festival uh, so I did I made developed event, ran an event for Cambridge Science Festival. And that ended up with uh me becoming the Cambridge Science Festival coordinator. Um mm. I did it as a maternity cover and I didn't leave. And I sort of really found, you know, actually um I really love and I so missed it this year, I really loved being able to um support researchers to share their research with thousands of people and it's been brilliant I mean thousands and thousands of people the chance to talk and um, to, to people listen to people's views share this amazing content that comes out of the University of Cambridge it's just amazing work with partners across the whole city work you know Angela Ruskin work with um Babel Institute Sanger Institute and and share this amazing the, the city's amazing talent and, uh, and expertise with with our community and it's been the most you know brilliant experience to be able to do that and I now sort of delightfully oversee the whole thing now and that's been uh, particularly this year with moving to a digital festival that's been it's been brilliant to be able to oversee it rather than actually do it because I think that uh, after my technology and my lack of technological skills the thought of actually being able to run an online festival uh, scares scares the hell out of me actually mm. but it's been the most brilliant how we've actually been able to share Cambridge research this year across the world, it's brilliant, and and have those conversations and listen to people's views. People are really keen on finding out what what universities do, learning more about the subject, so that they're more informed and they can have better discussions. And they can, when they're when they're making um, you know decisions about their families' lives or who to vote for, that's much more informed by um, their understanding and evidence rather than again opinion.
0: Because that could be a really hard thing when you're trying to to make decisions like that, to actually find understanding information. You know, don't Google any symptoms. But if you (laughs) did want to find out about those things, it's really hard to find
2: them. Yeah, and, and, you know, the the internet is the most marvellous thing and I cannot imagine going back for those of us old enough to know what it was like before. And You had to read a book. You had to go to a library to find things out. It was actually much easier. There was so much less around. And we can do a different discussion about knowledge and understanding and and (laughs) the differences between um, those things. Uh, You know, actually having this available, um, you know, to be able to come and, you know, and, and talk to the people who are really doing that research, I think is so fabulous. And, you know, to ask your own questions and give your own opinion, such a brilliant thing. But one of the things we want to do is we know full well that those sorts of spaces are not accessed by everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I think it's always having your mind back to who you're talking to, who that audience is. Is it a really representative uh, uh, cross-section of our community? And it's not really. And so a lot of the work we do is trying to take content, uh, take researchers, take information, um, uh, into other spaces, and so you know, working in, in not just in universal spaces, but working in in really in the communities that we we're we're part of. You know, so that we're not just talking to ourselves, because when we talk to when we talk to ourselves, and there's lots of things, lots of really things that chime here around things like Brexit. You know, mm-hmm. we only talk to people who are like us, and then we also we, we our our views are then you know um, confirmed because people are talking to us who are like us. And actually, we need to be challenged and we need to talk to people who are not like us. And I think that's one of the big things within public engagement is making sure we are talking to a diverse representative set of our whole community, not just one part of our community. So one of the things, you know, thinking about this, the dreadful thing about this whole period, one of the big positives, though, has been a development of an online engagement. Which we never did before because we always said it wasn't really two way. It was about broadcasting our, our you know, our results and that. But actually, one of the really big positives is about this um, being able to 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 produce things um, and to uh, and have them there as a sort of permanent record. There's something amazing about the buzz in the festival. That that is something that I know that from our evaluation, people really love. They love the chance to come across things unexpectedly. Um, into a space so you come into like the guild hall and you you c- might come in to find out something about diabetes but next to diabetes there's something about uh, nuclear energy and actually there's that that those chance encounters are something really special about what the festival environment does but actually what um my my favorite bit about our online festival this year is I was sitting on my own sofa um, with a cup of tea <laughs> and I went to one on the placenta it's uh, so a Saturday lunchtime. Where else can you have a you know where else in Cambridge can you ever talk about the centre on a Saturday lunchtime? And then I just quickly looked on, you know, looked online what was next, and I was talking about feminism. And so I in, on a Saturday lunchtime in March, I've I'd, I'd gone from oh well, I might as well, I'm sitting here, I can't be bothered to get out of my centre. <laughs> I do have to go anywhere, I do have to go anywhere. I'm not allowed out of the house because we're in lockdown. Um so I moved strictly from one to the other, and I had a beautiful two hours of just listening in there's a chance to ask questions um online and actually you're on asking questions online feels much more accessible than the embarrassment Mm -hmm. of putting your hands up and make feeling as though whether your question is sensible enough yeah you know for me that's you know part of things in terms of making things more accessible the hands up question thing is the least accessible thing I think you can possibly do. It's all mm-hmm. questions people ask, but always people who know the answer to those questions, who want
1: to have you know, who are happy to give an opinion, or they're not questions, or they're just them going. I thought you made a really interesting point about this thing. I'd like to make my own point actually. Fuck off! You are not hosting this talk. <laughs> or they ask a question, but
0: it's asking a question to to demonstrate that the person got it wrong in their My favourite or... is
1: when they say, you know, blah, 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 whatever, and the person just looks at them and goes, well, I'm not really sure what the question was. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Love it, love
2: it. <laughs> so I think, yeah, so some of the things I think about this online thing, um, it's actually going to be really brilliant in terms of how, how we access And also, quite honestly, I have an attention span that's like a nut. And I think that's why I do what I do, because I'm just naturally very nosy. And my job, I'm I'm allowed to be professionally nosy for my career. But I like going from thing to thing to thing. Online, you know, you'd never go to an event that was two minutes long, would you? No, we would go into Cambridge for two minutes long. But online, you can watch a video for two minutes. And then you can watch a different video for two minutes. And I think those sort of things about, you know, that, that really short, sharp, um, bits about just teasing teasing interest that allows you then to go on to something else I, you can invest two minutes but you wouldn't go oh I'll invest an hour, you wouldn't just do it mm. on an off chance but I think there's some lovely things about how we change how we engage moving forward um, that you know there's such a lot of potential
1: can I be the cynical person as well and say that another great thing about being online is if you decide you've gone to the wrong event and actually this one's boring you want to go to another one you can just leave you don't have to get up and walk out yeah but yeah the joy of an online leave meeting done not that I've ever done that of any of my lectures
0: (laughs) (laughs) so it what is the point of that engagement then as well is it just to just tell people what research we're doing. Is it to inform all those decisions, as you've said, or is there also just that uh, getting research? Because one of the things that um, we mentioned ages ago, I can't remember who it was, somebody mentioned um, a zoo thingy, which I know you've talked about as well, Lucy, a citizen science Oh, yeah. Zoo zooniverse um and people actually doing it was planets it was planets and people you know public just the public finding planets yeah so one of
2: the most amazing um so really in we would call it sort of consultative or co-produced public engagement. It fits, so often that sits within the medical sphere, where they, often it's when, you know, patients talking about their experiences that really inform how people are treated. I like
0: the COVID study.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm delighted to be part of that one. Quite a few of those at the moment. Uh, um, but One of the really amazing parts of that really co-produced, consultative public engagement is citizen science. Uh, where actually members of the public become researchers. And the biggest project uh, was called Galaxy Zoo, which is um, looking at um, categorising galaxies. Because humans are so much better still, even now, even all of the advent of AI and machine learning. Um, hum- humans are much better at categorising whether something is a spiral or whether it's a flat plate or whichever type of galaxy it is. And it's you know, those amazing projects that are bringing people across the world to really support their research on galaxy formation um, in, you know, again, you know, nationally, internationally. And so there's, there's lots more of these type of uh, projects where people, you know, researchers really need, you know, crowdsourcing, they crowdsource people to be part of this. There's one that looks, for, it's called SETI that used to look for extraterrestrial life um, that people would just have on their computer running, things that everybody can get involved with. Uh, to share their expertise and their you know the ability of the human brain which is the most powerful computer there is um mm-hmm. to actually improve uh, improve our understanding of the world so it's a really, yeah amazing projects that happen so yeah zooniverse is like a platform for all of these things so have a look people
0: and are they just because as researchers they can't get access to as many people as they would need for <laughs> for the research
2: imagine um being able to you know this is tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of bits of data for people are processing and it just you couldn't do it yeah, and, yeah. and then research would take so long you know either with you know we're still developing um machine learning algorithms to be able to do these things but it, i think we've got a long way to go before uh, those 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 systems
0: are anything like as good as what we are well, I was going to say, and, are, and do the public behave properly? Because <laughs> like with the census, yeah, however yeah. many years ago, and all the Jedis came out, you know, <laughs> do we actually provide the proper information? Mm.
2: <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> <Fingers crossed>. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, some really brilliant things that people are involved with. It's amazing projects. Now, if people want data, you know, they really want the data. And there's some lovely things with the one about musical taste and how that changes. You know, where else would you get that information? So you crowdsource uh, those uh, people to be involved in projects. And I think yeah. there's something lovely about, you, you know, you contributing. So like, I'm like, I'm doing one of the, you know, COVID surveys, the Zoe one on the thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm one of four 4.6 million people doing that. Yeah. I think that's mm, it's yeah. amazing. And it's so lovely when you hear on the news. That mean coming out that says you know the common side effects from the vaccine were i, d- I did that <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you know that's that was my part of my data was was on that too and so i think you know that's there's something greatly altruistic about a lot of what humans are like and providing these places that where we can share our understanding and knowledge is really powerful
0: yeah, because there are quite a lot of the times when you hear results of surveys and I always sit there going, who the fuck did you ask? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the results that are coming out are just, like, really skewed and weird and in no way connected to anything mm-hmm. that I would thought of. No, my favourite ones are the
2: ones that you get on... Um- uh, adverts for com- cosmetics and they go 73 yeah. percent of, of 100 people and it's like those people got that free and only 73 yes. percent of things think it was good yeah it's just amazing you know who did they ask to do this mm. um and so what you know the joy of the big, big system science projects this is thousands of people so the data the sample size is huge um you know and then Zoe, 4.6 million people that's incredible to have that number of people taking part
0: yeah. And so there are there people like you everywhere, in every university, in research companies, are there public Millions engagement people? Of Lots of little Lucy no. <laughs> around the
2: place. Well I, I think it, it depends on where you are. So most universities have public engagement. It's a really important part of what we do as a university, uh to, to support researchers so they can have engaged with members of the public. Um, we sit as a part of the central university, uh, and that's, that's relatively common, um, but possibly, uh, and then we support everyone. So we're spread thinly across the whole thing, but it means for, for those of us who are professionally nosy, one day we're talking to somebody from high energy physics, and the next day we're talking to somebody from clinical medicine. And that, to me, that's the most brilliant, you know, brilliant experiences to be able to, you know, somebody from, you know, English, uh, somebody from, you know, from, from languages or, you know, medieval history. And then somebody from biological sciences. You know, it's just a brilliant. Uh, for me, uh, it's brilliant to be able to listen to people's research and uh, ask questions about people's research from across those things. So, you know, we centrally we support researchers across the whole whole university and we run the big festivals. But across the university too, there's very specialist public engagement people who work in a particular department or an institute have who have very particular skills on a particular mm-hmm. subject. You know, so here they'll be put people in the institutes who only work on doing public engagement related to development and biology or mm-hmm. um, public re- engagement related to a particular project around um, migration. And so, um, so it's a, it's a lovely combination of people with very different skills. So it's sort of like this overview. Um, and for us, Training is the fundamental thing that we
0: do. And I can imagine that it would, as you go back to what you were saying earlier about who they talk to, so just picking up to what you said about policymakers again, that obviously if you're doing the research in climate or farming or whatever, then you're wanting to influence the policy. Mm -hmm. Um, But perhaps also to be talking to the public to get a movement going to help with your Mm -hmm. influencing. But if you were studying, go on a specific book, right?
2: I'm sure. looking at this on. You're ready for to her to
0: punch me. Go on. If you were just looking at some book, that mm-hmm. I don't know. Pick one
1: just one no too much too, too much, much. even that, that you see
0: you can't pin no. her down can't no. pin no. her down with that no okay but if you were say if you were doing something i don't know let's go really really far back you know something in the 12th century specific well i definitely author. wasn't going to give you that was no, i <laughs> <laughs> which is why i chose it yeah. cuz then you can't piss on my choice of book yeah you can't piss on your yeah. choice of
1: book yeah
0: um so why would why would a researcher of something like that that's not going to impact on a public's health, for example? Because we talked about a lot about science and medica- medical sort of conversations and mm-hmm. climate and all those things that have an impact. So why would that book be of interest to public? Oh my God! One of the, I think
2: it's just a, a very specific example rather than a general at the moment. But so um, we we're working with uh, somebody from in, I think. English who works on um, I think 17th century literature but related to how we talk about death and mm. so you know so this is a scholar of you know uh, literature uh, but looking at how, how death is is, is, in, is written in books she has the most brilliant project called the Good Death Project that uses um, the, um, the language and, uh, and the descriptions of uh, death to, to actually talk about how we talk about death today Mm. And so she's worked with fifth producers to produce pieces, modern, modern equivalent pieces, but also works with counsellors um, who work with en- in end of life care um, to bring together some of the learnings that she's seen from literature into how we talk today. And I think there's that beautiful thing about, you know, something about how we translate from one era, one generation yeah. through into the modern um, so I think there's some really beautiful things, um, and I, I, sorry, I, I am, a, my child, tr- my tr- although nosy about everything, I come from a climate background, but I sat in an office next to somebody who um, was in the next office to me, who was looking at children's literature and mm-hmm. how, 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 how the environment was portrayed throughout through children's literature. He, he did most of his work was on like swallows and Amazons, and so mm-hmm. actually using, you know, how people have written and spoken about it to inform the future. Um, so I don't think you always have to go, um, you don't have to always go forward, but it's been really interesting to see how people have used very um, old uh, writings to inform mm. the future, our future too. But I think it's been some really interesting things, so, you know, how languages change. So looking at some linguistics, how languages change, huge amounts around politics and the changing political landscape um from and what we've learned from the past but also how that yeah, you know, how that informs the future
0: and is that is that also because research has to be more connected with the public is that is there a driver on that or is it uh, we we hope
2: there is I think one one of the big things that you know the judged is on the impact of our research and that could be on the economic impact the societal impact the environment the environmental impact the cultural impact of our research and so every sort of seven years, universities are judged on, you know, what we do and why we do it. Again, we should be judged on these things. We shouldn't be allowed to do whatever we like, um, you know. Um, so so for, for you know, some subjects, it's great. You, can, you, you know, there's a lot of spin out companies that are generating economic impact. Uh, but for a lot of these subjects, it's around a better understanding of, of, of how this impacts on society, what we could do to improve you know, the outcomes. Um, uh, you know the role of culture and one of the big things that's happened that you know happening at the moment is that how we reinvent the, our cultural landscape post covid mm-hmm. when that sector has been so unbelievably uh poor, you know badly um be, uh, badly treat, being you know badly affected by by not being available you know how that affects people's health and well-being i mean there's so there's there's so many things you know that research does have impact on all of our lives. Mm. Uh, it, it might be um quite difficult to see it in some cases, but you know, we are judged on what that impact of our research is. So the easiest mm. is we generate spin out a company and it generates X number of million yeah. pounds, billion yeah. pounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. But mm. actually a lot of it is about people's sense of well being um you know from engaging with cultural pursuits um, you know I think we've all missed that being in a space where we're inspired you know that that we, we we feel something I think the best the best is the best performance makes you feel something inside that you can't really explain um and I think we've all missed that you know music live music and how that energizes us or makes us feel uh, you know happy sad whichever one it is but it makes us feel something uh, and that's you know we we are we are being judged on that. It's very hard to evidence that, you know. That's very much the <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I think actually potentially it's easier to evidence now if we, uh, because we know what it's like not to have it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What's been the thing that you had that inspired you most, or you enjoyed most that you were involved in?
2: Um, well, for me, it's absolutely, you know, after, you know, doing stuff as a researcher, absolutely, and being able to share. But to me, it is looking, going into a lecture theatre or going into, into a big space as part of a festival and seeing people talking and not just talk, being talked at, but seeing people talk. People going down to an end uh, at a lecture, seeing academics, uh, on stage bouncing ideas off and seeing people watch that effectively research happening in, in that very space you know being able to be being the person or part of that team it's not just me oh my goodness it's a phenomenal team of people who put this thing these things together um mm. being able to share with 450 people in the lecture theatre uh, the, the opportunity to see people Really brilliant people sharing ideas, bouncing ideas off. You can see their brains whirring, and then people coming down to the lecture theatre, the lecture at the end, mm-hmm. and having those conversations one to one with with the person, people speaking. so you know, those are the things that really excite me. We're providing a space where those conversations can happen. That to me, the loveliest thing about working, you know, with you know large numbers of researchers, large numbers of members of the public. Is that you get to share this with people? People, you know, making a choice to come along. Uh, we're providing this amazing content, a chance to have conversations, and that's a really for me a really rewarding thing to be able
0: to do. Yeah, absolutely, brilliant. Well, hopefully, we've rewarded you with gin too. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> awesome. Thank you so Thank much, you. Lucy. Bye. Bye. public engagement why should we be talking more together so actually what i really learned was hard to
1: reach everybody and
0: you shouldn't yeah you shouldn't be reaching everybody but you should really think about who it is that you need to be having that conversation with yeah um and that that's therefore why Um, some research you see all the time because it's relevant and it's relevant for everyone. And obviously for the last year, it's been vaccines and COVID. But actually, you know, that's been a good thing to try and understand some of those things because if we don't understand it, then we think that people are putting chips into our vaccine (laughs) and not the nice, tasty edible chips. And that I hadn't really completely got that... Mm. Universities are required more to provide no, an impact, yeah, for their research. No, I didn't know that. And so that's why, if you are going to study a random tome from the 16th century, <laughs> you have to find a way to make it relevant, yeah. And that we can have a say on quite a lot of that as well. True. With True. lots of the citizen science, but also yeah. if we go and have those conversations, then we can sit the there and go
1: answer surveys but proper ones yeah
0: yeah but you know not the ones that just send you free stuff for you to say the right answer
1: (laughs) I don't think I've ever been involved in those no nobody
0: has don't think they exist no no there's a conspiracy theory oh if we're getting
1: on conspiracy theories I'm out if you enjoyed this episode listen to more we've got tons got loads and if you like them really really like them you could always leave us a review because apparently they're quite helpful you can also subscribe you can
0: and then you don't even need to go and find us we just appear every single week yeah we are on twitter at topic gin and on instagram topic Gin. (laughs) join us next week for another gin and another topic